Oh, we'll look back at the Monday night tilts and what it means for the New York football Giants. Andrew Thomas continues to build on a very strong 2022 campaign. The Giants bring in an extra linebacker. We get some injury updates around Leonard Williams. Maybe a dangerous bullet dodge for the Giants. We break it down next. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. Think pa- fast, pod fast. Think fast, pod fast. Think fast, pod fast. We're going to get to that in a second here. I knew I wanted to try to get it out, but the tongue twisters are tricky, my friends. Hopefully, you're watching Eli Manning be undercover. It's OGP, the one giant podcast where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast. My boy, Doug Norrie, and yonder there, the healthy, wealthy, and wise season generational ticket holder, Mr. Andrew Mackowitz. Eagles, Bucks, Chiefs. Dolphins, Bills, what do they what do they all have in common, Adam? Animals. No. Pirates. <laughs> that, ah. that would have been a good guess. Guess what? They're the only other teams in the NFL outside of the New York football giants that are undefeated after week two. There are only six teams. The New York Giants are one of those six teams. Forget all the slander and smear campaigns that go on after the Giants win. They're one of six teams in the NFL that still does not have a loss on their record. How does that make you feel, Adam? Feels fantastic, man. Six, just six teams. It feels early in the year for only six undefeated teams, right? Like, there's. But also, I think about the Green Bay Packers having lost in Week One. There's a couple of teams that you wouldn't have anticipated having their first loss already. But it's, but it's also like you think about how small that club is. When I mention the other teams, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bucks, the the upstart Dolphins, right? Like the Eagles. And hey, once great. they stamp your hand, they can't kick you out the club, right? Right. Like you're. We are one of those teams. You know, we're going to talk about Dallas you know, coming up on this one. If we go 3-0, and that list is going to get smaller and smaller. The Giants, the Giants actually have a chance with the Cowboys and the Bears coming up to be like one of the last undefeated teams in the league. Who would have thought that would be the case going into week one, my friend? Yeah, you got Cincinnati Bengals 0-2, right? They're one of the ones that should have been flipped on that. I mentioned the Packers there also. So, yeah, there's already been a handful of teams. And guess what? It's like, uh, you know, uh, what was that? Remember the kids rhyme? Uh, there were six in the bed and then one hopped yep. in and falls out and bumps. It's like Giants hopped in, baby. Giants hop in, bangles fall out. We don't care what's happening on the other side. We are in the bed. Well, but Adam, can you just do one thing? Can you apologize to everyone out there that the Giants are 2-0? I think oh, yeah. everyone online is basically like, the Giants don't belong in that group. They should apologize. Like, you as a fan, you as a co-host of a Giants podcast, like, you need to apologize to the rest of the NFL for the Giants being undefeated. If you want, I'm giving you the floor right now. If you want to do that, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I'm not. I guess watch. Watch this. No, you know what I mean. Take that, you sons of bees. Welcome like, everybody on the live stream. But no, we don't do that here. There's no apologies for being undefeated. Why don't you play better? Why don't you beat us? It's it's uh it's like the Conor McGregor in in, in MMA in UFC where he's like, I apologize for absolutely nothing. That's pretty much <laughs> for so nothing at all. Exactly. Uh, welcome in, as we say on the live stream, Marty, thank you for being here early. Uh, listen, I didn't mean to, uh, you know, put you in your place there, but if you're going to show up, let's, you know, let's be a part of the journey together here. Obviously, before we dive into, uh, actually we're going to, we're going to tie this in, but last night, double dose there. I always say, if you're going to have Monday night football, you might as well do two games. And if you're going to do two games, you might as well have both of them not be so interesting. And that was Philadelphia, uh, with taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And then we also had 
the New York football Giants week one opponent, Tennessee Titans, taking on the Buffalo Bills. Um, Let's start with the Bills-Titans game there. I, I think the common theme coming out of this from a Giants perspective or people that are, you know, looking at the Giants as a fan or critic with a critical eye would say, oh, so the Titans 12 and five last year look like they're going to have some issues this season and may not be nearly the stalwart that they were built up to be. Does that should you apologize, Andy, for being happy that the Giants beat the Tennessee Titans in week one? But this is what I don't understand. Because the Buffalo Bills are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Their, their quarterback is playing at the highest level he's ever been. Their quarterback is number one right now in, in the best odds to win the MVP. The Buffalo Bills are the Super Bowl favorites as of today. Yeah. And they were playing at home in primetime against the Tennessee Titans team that was missing their best pass rusher and obviously has struggled to manufacture points you know, day in, day out. And when listen, the Titans are not a type of team where if they get down two scores that Ryan Tannehill is going to throw them back into the game. They need to manage the game, keep it close. Derrick Henry milks the clock and then their defense can play downhill. That clearly isn't the case against a dynamic offense like Buffalo. So for me, listen, okay. So the, so the Titans didn't look good yesterday up. Are are the Titans the number one seed in the AFC anymore? Probably not. Are they a competent team? I think they will be as we go forward. But again, why are we apologizing about beating teams? Like what, so the Giants were supposed to beat the Titans by 20 points on the road week one. Like, right. it doesn't make sense. Just take wins. We are a team that was winning three and four games a season the last couple of times. When we take wins, don't apologize about anything. We can only do with what we got on the schedule, Adam. Call Sam Beckett, man. Got to quantum leap this thing. Got to go back and put right what once went wrong, right? Got to beat the Titans better. Got to beat them more handily. Or the Titans are supposed to beat the Giants or whatever the scenario is. All you can do is play your schedule. So I think that obviously as we work our way through this week, there are things that offer perspective, right? And and we're, being 2-0 and matters. It doesn't matter how you get those wins as the season moves along. Only having six teams that are undefeated right now. The Eagles inside the division are one of them. You need to stack the wins wherever you can get them. So, it, you know, as we get into weeks three and weeks four and weeks five, and we start to think about what is this team in totality? Yes. I'm going to look back at the Titans game and say, Hey, here's a team that if we are a playoff caliber roster for the New York football giants, we probably want to beat some of these guys more handily. And at the end of the day with what this season is supposed to be, it need not matter on the, on the Philly note there then, because I, because I think you're right. I I don't know the bills are the bills. What are we talking about? By the way, the bills, you know, Josh Allen threw two interceptions in week one, right? So, like, it wasn't it wasn't a perfect game for the Bills, and I think that that was important for them to come into their week two and say, no, 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 we still have things to, to work on and improve. The worst thing you can do is have a perfect, you know, week one performance and fall into a lull. The Philadelphia Eagles then playing against the Minnesota Vikings. Again, same thing like Titans and, and, and Vikings. They're not same, same, but different. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, a, you know, not a perfect quarterback, not a quarterback that's going to elevate his team. Very strong defense for the Philadelphia Eagles. What did you take away from that game? Just because I have a specific one when it comes to the quarterback position, but what are you gleaming seeing the way Minnesota looked there after having a week one where Justin Jefferson, it was like, send this boy to Canton, which you should, which by the way, the guy should be, he's absolutely electric, but he can't throw the ball to himself. So Kirk cousins with the loss against the Eagles is now 60, 60 and two. In his career, he is the he is literally the like the most average quarterback on the planet. If you were to rank all the quarterbacks, we've talked about this before. Kirk Cousins probably falls in the uh, 
I don't know, 14 to 17 range, right? Like that's the type of guy Chris Cousins is. He, and he's good enough to sometimes make make the playoffs, sometimes go se- you know, 7 and 10. That's kind of what Kirk Cousins is. And you can kind of see the limitations of a quarterback like Kirk Cousins. And we've talked about having a quarterback like that. If that's a ceiling, how far can you go? Or you could maybe sneak into the playoffs, but you're going to have stinker games mm-hmm. like this. What, what I think is more impressive is Jalen Hurts. So, so the Eagles themselves have, once they realized that they had Jalen Hurts, they just kept doubling down on adding more and more talent around him to say, we need to get the most out of this guy. You know, they go out and get Devonta Smith in the draft. They go and, and put a huge trade together to get a number bona fide number one wide receiver in AJ Brown. They shore up that defense with one of our uh, close friends, James Bradbury. Like they've they've yeah. gone out and made all the moves to support Jalen Hurts as much as he can. And guess what? Jalen Hurts is looking like a star. He is. He threw for three thirty. He ran for another fifty or sixty yards and two touchdowns. He is that quintessential dual threat quarterback where he's starting to raise his completion percentage. But when the, when the play's not there, he has the athleticism to take it down the field for 15, 20, 30 yards and, 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 and wreak havoc for defenses. So, I mean, it just really shows the difference when you look at the Buffalo Bills and the Eagles at what dynamic offenses look like in the NFL today. Because we haven't seen that through two weeks with the Giants. We've seen Saquon have one play and Sterling Shepard have one play. But we haven't really seen what a dynamic offense can do. And those two teams were on display last night in primetime. Yeah, 100%. And I'll just say the quick footnote as we turn our attention to uh, some Giants news and notes here is that, remember, Jalen Hurts is a guy that in his rookie year was, oh, boy, did the Eagles make a mistake taking his player. And then year number two, it was, okay, is he, you know, he's dynamic back end of last season, started to show a little bit of something. And now in this year, you know, you mentioned it, over two games, he has 147 rushing yards and three touchdowns. He only has one touchdown pass, one interception thrown so far. But in addition, though, while they won't give you yet the QBR rating for him uh, this season, he's gone over the last three years from a set from a 77 to an 87 and now a 97 as far as rating goes. And he was just a 33.8 QBRs rookie year, a 48.5 in year number two. And presumably we're going to see that number probably be something over up over 60, 60, maybe over that 60 plus 65 kind of range here as we work our way through this season. It'll be fascinating to see where that lands. And by the way, if you're plus 60 in QBR, I mean, that, that's a very consistent number when you're talking about where you want to slot in there. And I assume that he's only going to look better. I, the thing that I'll say is, man, like this is what quarterbacks are supposed to do. And we can look at the Eagles and say, as you pointed out, they have added so much around that roster, especially this past offseason and through the draft. And I get that. And you look at other young quarterbacks around the league, like Tua, they brought in a Tyreek Hill. And I get that. And inevitably, if we think that Kadarius Tony, who played significantly more snaps this past week, 28 and 38 percent of the offensive snaps, if he's in the in the game plan more, that's only going to help Daniel Jones. But paint me however you want. I want you want to see the growth. You want to see the progression. And so far, we continue to be saying, oh, well, if just this, if we can only have that, if we can get there. And that, that that's that's like saying that every other young team, every other building team, every other, you know, rehabbing team that isn't perfect across the line or with weapons, et cetera, is better 
in every single possible way than the Giants are, and they've done everything better. The Giants organization has been awful, but none of these quarterbacks have had it perfect for the first two or three years of their career, and yet they keep showing you these glimpses, and it's something that I hope to see here. As I've said, one more week against Dallas, and then I'll, I'm going to give my concrete you know, 2022 perspective on where I think Daniel Jones is and where he can go. So, you know, watching, uh, I mentioned dynamic offenses. I'm going to keep saying that because it, it's, it's really the, the way it's of the true. future for the NFL. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how you way measure whether, yeah, <laughs> right. well, it's, it's how you measure whether or not you feel confident in your team moving forward. The yeah. Buffalo Bills and Eagles were on display last night in prime time and they showed they could be dynamic. Adam, how far away are the Giants right now on offense from being either of those two offenses that, that were on display last night? Like, uh, are are they are they uh, a big time wide receiver and a quarterback away? Are they more offensive line help away? Because like you look at the Eagles and and you know they go out and get AJ Brown, they draft Devonta Smith in the first round. They they've got Miles Sanders, Boston Scott. They've got a bunch of guys in the back, and Jalen Hurts has progressed. I would say that Daniel Jones is a more accurate thrower than Jalen Hurts. I would say Jalen Hurts has a little bit more athleticism yeah, but- when he gets the ball in his hands, but like. I think Daniel oh, he's Jones leaps and bounds more athletic though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but I mean, yeah. top line speed, I think Daniel Jones, if he gets out in space is faster. Oh, I know. Than well, okay. Well, so like I'm saying how far away are we from being more dynamic on offense? Because right now we're in the bottom half of the league in terms of, of offensive ratings. And those teams look like they're in the top five. How far away are we from getting towards that? And what, what needs to happen? Is it just simply to you? Like, Daniel Jones needs to be better or it like, what is it that that is holding us back from being that dynamic? I think I mean, in this year specifically, you haven't had all the weapons available, right? That you'd like to the injury. I think the injury to Wandell Robinson hurts you. I think that we understand that the offense and Mike Kafka and Brian Dable are saying this is not grip it and rip it. You know, the, the wheels, the, the training wheels are off here, which is something I think coming from, from Jason Garrett last season, everybody wanted that. I understand. I understand why it is, you know, diametrically opposed this season to last season, because and I said this over in some comments that the expectation last year was like, you're trying to see this thing and coaches are fighting for their jobs and GMs and everything else. Now, finally, John Mara took his, you know, took the big step back and Joe Shane knows I, there, there's no pressure in this year, right? Brian Dable knows there's no pressure. So I can methodically institute what I want to change here for the giants. And if success on the field occurs, that comes in its own due time. My, my thing is when you mentioned, and one of the, I'll get to specifically our next topic around one of the reasons that needs to improve here for the Giants. But it's like watching um, Kyler Murray when he has that epic comeback the other night, right? You're like, oh my God, this guy, whatever. Just let him go do, right? Stop restricting him. Let him go win your ball games. And he does exactly that. Runs 85 yards over 21 seconds to have a scramble score. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. At some point they had to say, yeah, we put talent around you. Now go do it, right? Now go do it. And that's the thing that the Giants are not yet saying with Daniel Jones. And that's where the concern is. Not that it's not a new system and there's a lot of these these other variables, but we've never seen anyone that's been a coach of the Giants say, Daniel Jones, go do it. And in some of the small samples, when we said go do it, Daniel Jones has given us some impressive, some not so good, some disastrous, right? And that's where I, that's the difference here. It's the eye test. It's like, hey, man, go win us a ball game. All these other NFL players, NFL quarterbacks, even ones that aren't as accurate of passers, can still impact the game at a higher level than Daniel Jones has shown to this point. Now, 
what are some of the things that are holding back Daniel Jones and the Giants offense? One of them could be offensive line. First, the absolutely incredible, amazing, epic, awesome news that Andrew Thomas has officially ascended to one of the top left tackles, cornerstone franchise pieces for the New York football Giants and amongst NFL players at that position. He has come into now through two weeks and has given you, I want to make sure that I get these numbers right, Overall grade of an 88.3 run blocking, which is third amongst tackles so far this season, 82.8 in pass blocking, which is fifth among tackles, which with this caveat with 10 pass blocking snaps, always want to make sure you have that in there. He's also given up just four pressures in 77 pass blocking snaps this season. Remember, we know his rookie year, he gave up. He was 17th among 54 qualifying tackles. Um, last season, excuse me, building off of a terrible rookie year where we know how many pressures he gave up, how many sacks he gave up. Um, we said this before. I've been a little long-winded here, but for all of the mistakes that we saw from the previous regime, they did hit on some players. Andrew Thomas is one of them, and I think it's nice to see it because Evan Neal falls into the same mold in a lot of ways. The consistency, the technique, the ability is there. It's going to be a slow and steady process, but we're not far away from maybe having legit two of the best bookend tackles in the game. We talked about it in the offseason when they put the Madden ratings out. And I told you, Adam, I felt yeah, like I was taking yeah. I, I felt like I was taking crazy pills because when we came up and we looked at the Madden rating ratings for left tackles, offensive tackles, specifically on the left side, Andrew Thomas was ranked 23rd. He was the 23rd best left tackle in the game. And I'm like, is it that we are like very biased that we think Andrew Thomas is better? Or have they just completely whiffed on the fact that that everyone thought the first three games of Andrew Thomas's career is how the rest of his year, his whole entire season has gone. He has gotten infinitely better than the first handful of snaps that he has had. He is playing at an all pro level on the left side, left tackle, the second most important position behind the quarterback. He has been amazing at him. When when they did the rankings of, of all the different left tackles, he was at least 21st or worse by most people's predictions and, and prognostications. Well, by the way, though, and by a lot of metrics too, right? And I think that was why, like, not that he was a middle of the pack tackle last year. He started to improve and we, and this is always true. If you're on the inside watching it, you see steady growth. Then you project more growth, right? When you're on the outside, you go, eh, overall, he had an okay second season. Like that's, that's the bird's eye view. You get down into it and you see no, but from weeks one to week seven to week 17, he was getting better and better. Yes, it's it's just steadily progressing to him becoming an elite offensive tackle. And it's not too early to say that, Adam, because the numbers are bearing it out. No matter what's happening on the inside of our offensive line, he is literally flourishing out on an island. They, they Teams look at Andrew Thomas now, and they take their best pass rusher, and they move him over to the other side against Evan Neal because they're like, we want – Nothing to do with Andrew Thomas, Brian Burns of Carolina. Like they, they basically moved him over to the side of Evan Neal and was like, we don't want to go against Andrew Thomas because we're wasting a pass rusher every time we do that. And the numbers bear it out. He is locking down that side. The reason why Daniel Jones doesn't look like he's fumbling the ball anymore is because he knows his blind side is protected at all times. Like he doesn't have to worry about that hit where he's, you know, given that extra second, trying to get somebody open downfield and gets destroyed. Andrew Thomas has that covered now. Yeah, there was that one play where he got destroyed in week one where he fumbled it. Yeah. I mean, one play in two, two games. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. And I'm kidding. Yeah. No, 100%. It, 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 and listen, 
it's one thing to say the Giants feel like they have a player at a position. It's another thing to say they have one of the best players. Like, I think about this just in totality of the Giants, right? Um, is Adoree Jackson one of the top five cornerbacks in the league? Like, he might be this season. But in general, you go, you know, still, he's good, right? And that, that's always been the goal. Do we have a good enough defensive player, a good enough lineman, a good enough linebacker, a, a good enough wide receiver, like all those things. Andrew Thomas is one of the best tackles in the game. That's something the Giants haven't been able to say at any position on their roster in a number of years. Shout out to Tyrone, who comes into the live stream, along with Marty, along with Dr. Pancake. I, listen, DNA, am I telling you, right? This guy's got, this guy went to college for seven years to study syrup. Um, but I think it's true. And what further solidifies or cements how good that Andrew Thomas has been is, remember coming into the season, it was, well, if Andrew Thomas wants Shane Lemieux next to him, that's who you go with, right? You let him pick the guy that he wants to be his tandem partner. And of course, Lemieux gets hurt. Maybe that's unfortunately going to be a trend for his career. And then so you start to shuffle the deck. Here's the problem. And one of the things why it's not always perfect. I have a guy that I'm going to talk about specifically, but alongside of uh, Andrew Thomas, it's been a combination of Ben Bredesen and obviously the rookie Joshua Azudu. Now I've said live with the growing pains and put Azudu out there. He's only played to a 22.3 uh, PFF grade. I believe that's what this is going by. Yeah by those metrics. So obviously it hasn't been good enough. I didn't expect it to be great, but Ben Bredesen has played to a 63.1. So that right there, that discrepancy there is more than enough. And the eye test has borne this out. There's been some really good plays for Azudu, And then there's been some, Hey, you're a rookie. You're going to struggle plays. So going with Bredesen there is fine. Here's the issue though. John Feliciano converted center came over from the Buffalo bills is playing to a 39.9 right now. That's, not good enough. And we can look at that and say, whatever the expectations were coming into this season, and you had mentioned well, ultimately a player who retired, uh, possibly being an option for the Giants, but I don't know if the Giants looked and addressed that position strongly enough this offseason and going with someone who had no experience being a star at that position. And then the other big one to me, the one that really pisses me off, even though the PFF grade is stronger, Mark Lewinsky, 50.2. Like that is not good enough. For the one guy on this line that you went out and spent the very limited funds that you had available to you this offseason, you go out and you get what you want to be a consistent player for you, and you saw it in week number two. Like He got, he gets beat. He gets beat a lot. He is not a big body. And for a team that predicates itself certainly more in the run game right now, which I think hurts him in some ways because when you go to the pass-blocking protection, he doesn't have all the balance with a guy like Feliciano and a rookie in Evan Neal. But that's what we got here. These are the problems we're having is that the rest of this line here as Neil develops, it, it, a lot of question marks, a lot of concerns. I think Bredesen, I'm more than happy with. But Feliciano, that, that's a concern. And then Glowinski has to be better. Has to be better. You are 100% right, Adam. And this is, this is, a, huge, you, this is a huge red flag for Giant fans. We know what we have in Andrew Thomas. We know that Evan Neal is, is going to progress. He's still a rookie. Mark Lewinsky is 30 years old. And my big my big worry right now, Adam, is like... Because this is already the downside. <laughs> he, this is what he is. And, and, and the reason why I have so much concern about Lewinsky now, after watching this, is because he was drafted in the fourth round by the Seattle Seahawks, right? He did not play well for the Seattle Seahawks. Like, they, they were basically like, for a bag of balls, let's get him out of here, and he goes to the Colts. He goes to the Colts where he's playing next to guys like Quentin Nelson and arguably one of the top three offensive lines in the league. And all of a sudden it's like, well, everyone else around me is really good. And I only have to do one job myself. And yeah. like the, the rising tide raises all boats. Like he looks the part. 
And now you kind of remove him from that Colts situation and put him back to something more closely resembling what he was in Seattle when he did not look well. Yep. And he's, he's struggling mightily. And it's a big concern considering he is the most expensive offensive lineman that the Giants have. This was Joe Shane's one player where like, he's like, if you're going to spend $5 million on anything, go get an offensive lineman. They spend $6 million, three-year, $18 million deal on Glowinski. He has not lived up to the expectations through two games. And it's concerning. It's 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 not a five alarm fire yet because it's only been two games. But Adam, it's getting close. Like he needs to step up in a big way against Dallas. A hundred percent. There's two notes that I want to make here. Tyrone uh, brings up here, right? Either Gates needs to be on his way back or replacing Feliciano ASAP because it's actually killing both guard positions. And we've talked about this before. And the reason why it's worth highlighting, and I'll also mention Marty here, who says PFF is garbage. Listen. We don't, we talk about it. You use it as a reference because guess what? It's an outlet that has a metric by which things can be categorized and graded. It's, it's just a way to slot it in. Because if you go and go use the eye test, Glowinski has not been good enough this year, right? Feliciano has had moments, but it's about consistency. And just for reference, they have Evan Neal as a 45 on the PFF, which kind of feels about in line, right? He does some good things in the run game. He struggles in pass protection. But to your point, and to uh, Tyrone's mentioning there, like Glowinski, it, it, this feels like, well, if everything is good around you, then you're going to look pretty good. And I think, I wonder if the Giants made the wrong assumption of with Glowinski in at right guard, it'll help our center and it'll help our rookie tackle as opposed to Glowinski is not that caliber of player where he can raise the boats around him. He's actually going to sink relative to the competence competency and to the consistency of the players on his left and on his right so i'll be fascinated to see here listen on the one side of it you say the giants have struggled in pass protection and that's the the entire phase of this game that you hope is going to build and get better the problem is is that evan neal is a guy that i think you look at and same thing like with andrew thomas in his rookie year okay try to show steady growth right just get a little bit more consistent week over week i'm not worried about how long it takes him as long as he's showing that progress my concern is, is Feliciano going to get better? Can we project that again, moving to center is also going to have steady growth throughout the year? Is Glowinski going to level off or, or essentially like, is this it? Is it what he plays at what he plays at? If the two positions around him improve, okay, we can get there. But I, you need to see what happens with him next. All right. We, we probably belabored that a little bit longer than we needed to, Andy. Let's talk injury updates here. This obviously matters. Uh, Leonard Williams and, of course, uh, Aziz Ojolari. We can even throw Thibodeau in there. Um, this is, a, relatively speaking, all kind of positive news for the New York football giants. So Leonard Williams avoided what we thought would have been a much larger injury, like a torn ACL. Um, it comes yeah. back that he has a sprained MCL. They say that he's a fast healer. All good, um, baby. I, I mean, I wish it was that good in his entire career. Leonard Williams has been a warrior, has not missed any games. This will presumably knock him out at least for the Cowboys game, which is tough because we really need his leadership and his ability to push back offensive line and get uh, and get pressure without having to send a, a bunch of blitzes. Now, the other thing that we're looking at is Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau were very close to trying to give it a go uh, against Carolina Panthers. Could not make it happen. The good news is the Giants play the Cowboys on Monday night. There is optimism that at least one of them is going to be able to get it back out on the field and play. Obviously, we, we haven't had too much practice time yet to be able to decipher things because it's just Tuesday now. But mm -hmm. as we lead into the week, I would expect to see 
My my guess, my short answer is that Kayvon Thibodeau will be out there on, on Monday night. They, he was so close on Sunday, and they didn't want yeah. to rush him. The fact that this game is on Monday night, too, gives him an extra day to rest. I am really looking forward to being able to see him out there in a regular season game for the first time in his Giants career. Yeah, and, you know, we, we talked glowingly about Ocean Eximenez and how he has admirably been filling in and trying to bring pressure. Um, it matters, right? And I think we're seeing here a couple of things we're going to talk about. The Giants brought back in Jalen Smith, linebacker. He obviously had a stint with them last year. He's on the practice squad. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about that more because a lot of the indications are going to the practice squad, you know, we'll see. I'm going to go ahead and tell you it could be indicative of something a little bit more. And if we think about the Wink Martindale effect, how is that going to potentially uh, impact a player like Smith? But to your point, man, you know, we'll close out on Michael's comment here uh, on the live stream of maybe the worst part about winning the first two games is raising expectations that what the Giants should be. And over the first couple of games, we haven't seen a lot of get home pressure. Julian Love gets the big sack, but Wink Martindale, I mean, you know, this guy is reaching into his bag, and inside of that bag is another bag that has another bag of tricks inside of it to try to manufacture pressure and manufacture success. At some point, you need a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau just to be out there when Wink says, you know what I'd like you to do is get pressure. Just go one-on-one and go get pressure. And Thibodeau goes, okay, I can do that. When he says, hey, set the edge. We don't want this running game getting outside. Okay, I can go do that, right? Hey, why don't you? drop back in coverage and show your freak athleticism and stop a tight end from maybe picking up a short third down conversion. Okay. I can go do that, right? Like this matters to the long-term success of this defense. So I really hope that we see him out on the field and that he looks without restriction, right? Being able to get after it. And if being a little more cautious, these first couple of weeks was the way that you go about doing that all the power to it. So we have a couple of different angles here to talk about. There's also some plays as we do, we're going to go back and look at this game again. What are some plays that we really liked? What are some areas that we think the giants can continue to improve? And then turning our attention to the Dallas Cowboys. Listen, they got their win with Cooper rush. He's not a slouch. Where do we stand in a division where we are tied with the Eagles at the top of it? But coming out of week three, we could be right back in the middle of the pack. We could be at the bottom of it. It, it, You know, it all shakes out on a week-to-week basis. The bottom line is it looks like the Giants are in a position to stay competitive throughout this season, which has always been the goal here. Take away the wins and the losses. You could tell me I don't know what the final outcome of the first two weeks are. Just by watching the games, I would be mostly excited and feeling positive about this team because there is this steady growth, consistency, and an expectation that permeates from the head coach all the way down through this locker room. At the end of the day, Adam, it's sure. pretty simple. We were, we were projected to be a seven-win team. We were going to be under 500, either third or fourth in the division. The Giants have gotten out to a very surprising and exciting start. And, and uh, as people say, it, it ultimately raises the expectations to the point where like, People are saying, do you see the Buffalo Bills? Look at how great they are. It's like Buffalo is considered the favorite for the Super Bowl. We're projected to be a seven-win team. Like We can't be comparing apples apples and oranges. It's all about a steady progression. And Adam, I think you may be able to see that progression on display Monday night. If the Giants can get back their top two pass rushers, who knows what the status is going to be for Aaron Robinson coming off his appendectomy. He might be able to get back out there. Imagine having your cornerback number two and your top two pass rushers out there against a backup quarterback in prime time. That feels like an opportunity yeah. for the Giants to maybe get right here and, and, and leave a big impression. Right now, everyone thinks the Giants are a surprise, but they're not that good. Imagine going out there on Monday night and really showcasing it at MetLife. Giants could be 3-0, and 
and being sitting at the top of the division. And we're saying maybe we need to raise expectations for what this team could be. We, we shall see. Andy is, is right there, man. He he's about to just take the, the brakes right off all gas here. And you can feel it in his voice. He's ready to push that button and take this team straight to the playoffs and possibly some way. Who knows? Maybe uh, NFC, NFC conference. I, we don't know. We don't know how far Andy wants this boat to go. The bottom line is we will break it down. And as you mentioned, a lot of key matchups in that game uh, on Monday night for Dallas that will present real challenges and also a real sample size of where this team is. We got a long ways to go, friends. Days to come here. Later in the week, a little bit of a housekeeping note. More than likely, we'll confirm tomorrow. Uh, we will not do our normal Friday show, but we will come in on Monday to break down our predictions and give you some of those betting lines as well. We will, of course, continue to break down all this news and information. <laughs> Marty letting everybody know that Andrew is taking the bull by the horns. And until next time, as Andrew Mackowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>